Hello and welcome to Curious About Nature. I'm really pleased to be joined this week by Marion Hill, who's an artist and illustrator. Hi, Marion. Hi, Rachel. Hi. Thanks for inviting me along. Oh, it's lovely to have you on. So myself and Marion know each other from the University West of England in Bristol, where we both teach. I teach on the animation programme and Marion is teaching in illustration. Could you tell us a little bit about your background? Yeah, so I've been working as a freelance illustrator now for a long time. I started, I think, in the year 2000. So quite a lot of experience of working mostly with magazines and book jackets. And I've always taught in parallel with that. So I've worked with students and I think my work has not changed in my technique. I collage a lot and I love drawing. So the technique stayed the same, but the way that I market my work and my projects have changed. And the last two years has been a massive change for me because I've started this insect illustration project and it's consumed my life in the last two years and shows no signs of stopping. I think it's a life's work. What inspires your projects then and illustration work? I think my illustration career, I really enjoy it, but I, and I also supply galleries with my pictures. I was getting more and more panic stricken about climate change a lot of people are it struck me that my work as an illustrator didn't really reflect my my worries as a person so although I was still enjoying that work I was doing it just seemed I wasn't sure why I was doing it anymore I was getting progressively more stressed and then a couple of things happened I organized a drawing trip with my third year illustration students to the Natural History Museum I've got a very old friend Helen Hardy who's in charge of coordinating the digitization of the entire Natural History Museum collection which means they're trying to photograph every single artifact and get it online so people can research internationally and use the information they have in their archives to help educate people and for research projects. So we took the students in and Gavin Board, who's the head curator, took us around the insect archives underneath the museum, which is so exciting. And he took us around the herbarium as well with a, a different expert. So I think that trip and, and how he chatted to us about insects and how climate change is changing behaviour patterns and how, why digitisation is important just set a little ball rolling in my head. And I think that took about two years, really, for me to work out how that experience in that day could link back to my own practice. So it wasn't a quick thing. It was a sort of realisation that maybe insects was something that I could illustrate and I could show people something that they didn't realise and didn't know about using my work as a vehicle for that. Yeah, no, insects are a, a, a real fascinating topic as well for me. When I studied animation at Glasgow School of Art, I made a film about beetles and then more recently about five years ago, I think it's weird isn't it, it was one of those kind of time periods about the same time, but my daughter had a, a book on bees and it's a pop-up book for me inspired the idea behind augmented reality books for children it was that idea of I'm not a pop-up book artist but I know a little bit about augmented reality and at the time I was looking to start Buttercup Learning and that's where the Insects Alphabet book came from. I, I absolutely love your Buzz and Skull project. It says on your site that you're attempting to collage as many UK insects as possible <laughs> and are focusing on the species that are found around your small city garden in Bath. How, how many well, have you collaged so far then? It started in lockdown. Lockdown was good for some things, wasn't it? And yes. In the springtime, <laughs> we were stuck at home. And I think I just started noticing things. I always thought I was quite a perceptive person. I thought I could illustrate the species in our garden in a couple of months. It'd be a nice little project to do. I didn't realise how little I knew about what was in my own garden and some gardening practices that I'd been carrying out in our garden, which is organic, but I was doing stuff that was really damaging 
to the habitat in our garden without mm. even thinking about it. Anyway, I started cataloguing what I found and then I needed help. So <laughs> through the course of the last couple of years, I'm really lucky. I got put in touch with an entomologist from Bath called Mike Williams, who has been incredibly helpful to me. So every time I find a species and I don't know what it is or I want to know what's found locally, he's been helping me get the details. And I think that's what I realised I needed to do is get the detail right, because if you're going to be working with entomologists, you need to know what you're talking about and you need to get every detail correct. Otherwise, your work can't be used as a proper reference point. Now finding the Twitter community is really helpful. Entomologists seem to love Twitter. If I put a post out with a picture, if I have made a mistake, they will tell me. And I've learned now not to be embarrassed (laughs) by the fact I don't know what I'm doing and letting them help me rather than pretending I do and then trying to cover up my errors. They fact check my work. They tell me when I get things wrong. And all the time I'm learning now. And I realised I didn't know that UK had dung beetles. I didn't know that beetles control pest problems. I didn't know how damaging digging the soil was. It's a limitless catalogue of things that I just didn't think about or didn't realise. I think back to my childhood, now I'm in my late 40s, and I know that there were bug splats all over the windows of the car when we went on long journeys. And I know there was a dawn chorus that used to wake me up in the morning. And I think a lot of kids now, they just don't know they don't know how much things have changed. I think drawing attention to that and then trying to work out how we can try and stop that decline. And there's some really simple things you can do in your gardening, I've discovered, that make a phenomenal difference. And by doing them in our own tiny garden over the last four years, the numbers of species in our garden have exponentially grown. And maybe it's partly because I'm noticing them more, but mm. I don't think so. I think it's that we've made the habitat right for insects to come and thrive in the garden. Yeah, no, that, that, that's interesting, isn't it? We had a, a whole May to sort of October no more policy during the lockdown. And it was great to see those butterflies, bees and other insect species coming back into our garden. But we also got bitten a lot as well. And that in itself was a really interesting thing to go through because as a kid, I remember getting bitten a lot because we went and played in fields and was outdoors a lot more than my own child is, for instance. And it would be really fantastic to give children that opportunity to at least have elements of that wild childhood the splattering of insects on car windscreens and on the windows at home that was something that my mom was constantly cleaning the windows in uh, late summer for instance i remember her doing that now i can't remember the last time i had to do that it's just terrifying just, isn't it yeah and also sitting up in the evening we used to not be mm. able to leave the window open because we get a, a room full of moths And you leave the window open now and there's not a single thing that comes in, which is really worrying. And then the amount of poison that's available to pour all over your garden. And I think people do that without even thinking what they're doing. If you go online to research some insects that are totally harmless, you'll just find pages about how to get rid of them. It's really upsetting. I used to dig the garden and didn't realise that there were loads of larvae and grubs living in the soil that I was disturbing. I used to pull the weeds out of my lawn and I thought if I had weeds and native plants I used to pick them out and think that I was a disgrace to the neighborhood if I had weeds in my lawn just totally mad but I never even gave it a second thought I thought a garden should be mowed with a lawn with no weeds I should dig around every plant anything else I should pull up take to the tip so I had no dead material at all in the garden no trimmings no piles of leaves, no piles of sticks, no dying logs. It was all cleared away. And in our garden, just by looking like I'm really lazy, 
thing is, it doesn't <laughs> change. So I haven't cut any of the stalks back this winter from our high-growing plants. And we've just seen there were birds fluttering around them and gathering the seed heads. And something, an insect, I'm assuming, has stripped the bark off all of these stems and is using them, obviously, as some sort of nesting material. I haven't got the time to sit there with a camera and know exactly what's doing what but I can see that the things I've left are being used by creatures yeah. and amazing things like our mint we've got lots of little holes in our mint leaves this summer and I discovered we've got green tortoise beetles living on our mint they mm -hmm. are the most beautiful little green beetles they're totally stunning and rather than thinking oh my gosh how disgraceful I've got holes in my mint leaves you've got to think wow I'm feeding yeah. mint beetles how amazing I think it's just changing your mindset and realizing that some messes is fine and not tidying up is fine. Thinking insect first is fine. And then sharing your garden with them. And like you said, you probably won't have as many places to sit. And mm. you may get bitten occasionally. I've heard some people say, oh, you've got to mow your lawn because if you don't, there'll be nowhere for children to play. Which I think is hysterical because yeah, when I was at school, yeah. that I used to go to the corners of the field where the long grass would be and sit in the long grass because yeah. it was far yeah. more fun. And yeah. when we were walking home from school, there was a big field with long grass and we deliberately crawl through it and make passages and look yeah. for beetles and grubs. For yeah. me personally, I realise not everybody is the same <laughs> as me. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I do think we've lost that sort of connection, haven't we, with nature, definitely. So. Tell me a little bit, a bit more about Buzz and Scuttle then. What's the project's uh, outcomes and aims? I think it's grown. I've collaged over 150 species now, and that's just UK locally found species of insect and creepy crawly. Let's go into wood lice, slugs and snails as well. Because I started working with some local ecology groups and we've been putting up what to spot posters in local parks. And also I really want to show people how useful some insects are. So I'm doing a pest control beetle poster at the moment and a waste disposal beetle poster to show all the amazing insects that I don't know clear away dead dead creatures, a process animal poo, pollinate, clear out slugs and aphids from your garden without you putting any poison down at all. And then I put these posters up anywhere people will let me. And I've been giving them to schools as well in the hope that people will start realising the diversity we have in, in an urban area, but also how vital all these things are. And my pollination poster, I've had lots of com friendly complaints on Twitter this week because I didn't put any moths on my... <laughs> new pollination poster. This is the pollination poster so far. I thought I'd done quite well, but no, I didn't put any moths on and I didn't realise that moths are incredibly important pollen. We're not taught at school. We've just taught that bees and butterflies maybe nothing yeah. else. I didn't know about beetles pollinating. There's a massive gap in the school syllabus and we're just not being taught. And so my aim really is to help sort that out so that kids particularly are really aware and tell their parents off, stop spraying <laughs> weed killer in the garden and everybody crawls around looking for bugs instead because I think that would be far more beneficial. Yeah, absolutely. Getting down in the dirt and actually experiencing that. And they've already proven that microbes will help with general health as well. So there's lots of benefits to kids and adults to really explore the undergrowth a little bit and obviously not destroying the habitats, those creatures that live there. I absolutely love your collage technique and the, the process that you go about in creating your artwork. It's phenomenal. It, it's just amazing what you're doing. I, I was looking at the work in progress images. Could you tell us a little bit more about that technique? Yeah, I suppose I, I started collaging after I left university because I didn't have any facilities. And so you're pushed into trying to work out how to 
make work without anything. And I didn't have a computer when I graduated or anything at all. And I fell into, not really by accident, I had some tutors at university that were really phenomenal at collage and taught me how to use different glues. So I'd had a little bit of a few workshops through my degree, but it was really afterwards when I, I was trying to work out what I wanted to do as an illustrator, I hit on the idea of collage because I could get material really cheaply and I could work from home with really basic kit and produce work that looked surprisingly cool <laughs> so I started cutting and pasting old magazines and people used to give me them once they discover what you're doing so I have piles of magazines everywhere and slowly I made an index and I guess that's really quite good because it's all recycled material as well if I'm being totally honest because of this project I've had so much to do and it's really important I get the detail I have started taking my own textual photos as well which I then print out as photo books and then I collage with that so yeah. some of it's real insect. I've got a tiny little camera lens that I click onto my mobile phone now. So oh, if fantastic. I find an insect yeah. in the garden, I photograph them alive. I never kill anything. I yeah. photograph them scuttling about. But I also look for textures that look like insects. Feet coverings on bicycles, rusty walls. I'm always photographing textures. And then when there's a special offer on one of these photo sites, I get them printed out. And then I use all those textures as collage material. Yeah, that's my basic technique. And what's nice is that because it is just using scissors, craft glue and old magazines, anybody can use my technique. There is nothing fancy about it. It just takes patience and some hunting around for the right bits of paper. So, yeah, I would, yeah, I would say a, a lot of patience. <laughs> <laughs> it's not really cost effective, I have to say. I'm not very yeah. fast. <laughs> yeah, it's it's it does produce really beautiful work though. You've got a real good eye for detail and texture. So it's amazing what you're doing. So obviously this project was inspired by your concerns around biodiversity. Are there any small actions that you think we could take to make a huge oh. difference? Okay, what do I do in my garden? And I'm not saying I do everything right, by the way. So I'm yeah. still learning. And every book I read, I realise there's something else I've done wrong or could put wrong. But my basic thing has been don't clear up. When the leaves fall, I leave piles of them in the corners now and I don't brush it up because I've discovered there's so many little insects that are living in those sort of piles of leaves. So having piles of leaves, piles of grass cuttings, piles of sticks, a pond if you've got space is always brilliant. What else? Don't put pesticides or any kind of treatments down. So anything from a bottle I try not to spray on anything and I'm hoping things will come in line by themselves as long as it's not you know completely taking out your crop I don't mm. see what the problem is so it's trying to switch my mindset to allow some yeah. of those creatures in the garden that have been so maligned and targeted <laughs> by gardeners. <laughs> yeah I, I used to get laughed at when I first moved to Bristol one of the houses that I lived in was right next to Victoria Park what I would do was take the slugs that were killing my little greenhouse that I'd set up in the backyard and uh, put them in them so instead of obviously harming them and I found out a couple of months later that actually they always came back. Snails in particular love to journey and they journey much further than people realise. And I was about three, three or four houses away from the main road and then there was a park. And it'd be like, hang on a minute, where are they all coming from? And then I, and then obviously I realised that that's what was happening. <laughs> but I yeah, used but to get some strange looks with my uh, bag of uh, snails, dropping them 
gently over the wall. <laughs> it's just fascinating that what's right underneath our feet and what we're not really maybe sort of conscious of. So you mentioned about your own back garden. What steps are your own family taking then to explore wildlife locally? What's been really nice, actually, it's not just my own family. The kids in the area now know me because I put posters up all over my windows. And if they find something unusual, they will come and bang on the door and, sh and show me. And tell me all about it which is really exciting and I was putting the rubbish a while ago and a lady stopped me and said did you do the posters and I said yeah she said oh since you put them up I've stopped squashing things and now I look at what I've got in my garden and I've started to know some of the names it made me so pleased that she said that is if you can even change a couple of people's behavior then they tell people and the whole thing starts changing doesn't it I, yeah. I think it's just that people don't notice stuff they don't have time to notice stuff. And they, if they did understand, I'm sure lots of people would change their gardening practices just straight. Most people do not want to harm nature. No. They don't yeah. know that they're doing that. So if you can make them aware and excited and, ex and interested in the species, then I think that's the whole point of the project. My kids, they put up with it now. If we go on a family walk, I just get lost and sit looking at beetles and they all have to just help me because we never go anywhere unless it's really slowly. <laughs> You mentioned there about kind of responsibility and if we're aware of something, then we can take responsibility for it. There's obviously been a lot of talk in sort of sustainable circles around huge corporations and governments. And how, how do you think they and us can take responsibility to make these positive changes? I'm not an expert and I've listened to some talks with people that are experts. So I'm not going to pretend to start <laughs> telling you about pesticide use in farming, but it would seem that maybe the hope with Brexit was that we'd be able to become a champion and really take control over what's being sprayed on our land and how we're looking after green areas. But it seems that there's a lot of chemicals still being sprayed. And from the farming conferences I've been to just listening, there are a lot of farmers who are totally amazing and are really trying to work with ecologists, but there are a few that are not. It would be so good if we could get to a stage where we're, st I know we still got to produce food, but if there wasn't excessive use of fertilizers, pesticides, because it's obviously having a colossal impact, not just on animal welfare and nature, but on humans as well. But yeah, it's difficult, isn't it? You read news stories and bad things are happening. Mm. And, and I think before I started the project, I just felt so helpless. I felt like I was just being tossed about. And I realised my project is a really small thing, but it's a small thing that's making a positive difference. And if we all did that, then surely things would change really fast. Yeah, Buttercup was very much from that kind of basis of as a mum of a young child, there's that sort of sense of guilt bringing somebody into a world where there are so many things happening around climate change and so on. And it felt like I wanted to do something that was beyond my family. So obviously being like yourself, an educator, it came very natural that it would be around looking at biodiversity, sustainable ways of living. I've always been fascinated with nature. My mum studied environmental science and it is amazing how those things must have settled in my brain. But it's taken until I'm in my mid-40s for that to like work through and realise that what I should be doing is using my illustration, my animation skills, my production skills to create something that supports young people. And I think we've, we're missing that education as adults. My daughter started asking all of these amazing questions about the animals and mini creatures in our back garden. And I found that I couldn't answer them. And it was like, oh, my knowledge is tiny. It's so small. They do teach in school that caterpillar goes to butterfly. But mm. we didn't learn about any of the other life cycles of any other 
creature, which is bizarre, isn't it? I yeah. didn't know until this project started what a ladybird nymph looks like. I didn't know that shield bugs split their shells numerous times. And then it's like magic. They shed their skin. They come out with a different, totally different outfit on every time. <laughs> so five or six times before they get to the grown up one. I mean, that's amazing, isn't it? Why on earth were we not taught that stuff? It's so interesting. And we just seem to have had the same narratives over and over again. I don't know how many times I learned about caterpillars and butterflies, but by the time you get to the end of your education, you're so bored by it because I think if teachers were more informed, I'm sure they'd be passing on all this cool information. Yeah, no, I've been learning all sorts of things from details about earthworms to sharks to the, the different species that you find off the British Isles. And it, it is that kind of like lack of understanding, I think, about what is the diversity and what we should be trying to support and make sure that it's still around when our children are adults themselves. I think that's been the real driver for Buttercup Learning, definitely. Do you think it's interesting as well? I, I went on a drawing trip to North Yorkshire and I ended up getting really cold. I was drawing the harbour yeah, and I went yeah. and had a cup of coffee and the guy served me in the coffee shop. We started talking about rewilding and landscapes and trawling and all kinds of stuff. Mm. Uh, luckily, I was the only one in the bar. <laughs> so... Um, <laughs> And he said, you do realise that the, the landscape, it's been stripped, but it totally changed the way I saw British landscape. It was really quite traumatic. Um, after that trip, we went straight to the Yorkshire Dales and the Lake District, and I suddenly realised how bare the landscape is. And we go on and on about, isn't it awful that we're cutting the Amazon rainforest down, but we've taken down... Yeah, nearly hedgerows. all of our woodlands yeah. and yeah. you don't even comment on it yeah. it's something that I hadn't really considered nobody pointed it out to me your posters are absolutely beautiful I, I think that every classroom in the UK should have one and then use that as a starting point if anybody's interested in working with you Marion how should they get in touch the kids are so brilliant they're the route into this because they're still open-minded and enthusiastic about life so yeah I really want to work with as many community groups as possible and schools so I do have posters available to buy on my website, but I do have some funding as well to give posters much reduced or free to schools. So if you are a part of a community group and you'd like to work with me, I'll see what I can do. So yeah, my website has got stuff, but you can also email me and chat. So we'll drop the link underneath the podcast for everyone to click through to. So do check it out. It's amazing. I'm really loving your new online shop as well. It's, it's just really great seeing all of the things that you've done. It's the amount of work and effort you've put into creating these posters, the technique, the, the scientific endeavour in terms of trying to make them accurate as possible. Um, so I really hope that the project keeps growing and growing and more children around the UK and maybe even further afield start to investigate what in their garden and start to be really conscious of how we make those spaces available for insects. What's next for you? My hope is <laughs> to get as many community groups working with me as possible. I'd love to do a massive schools exhibition, but I haven't even started co thinking about coordinating that. But if there's any schools that want to take part and make their own collages and send them to me, wouldn't it be great if we could have a great big children's exhibition of all their collages or drawings? It would be amazing. But it's more about reaching the public as well. So anywhere a poster can be put where people are going to walk past it and actually see and it becomes a talking point. I think that's a really fantastic thing. So, yeah, the project's only just getting started, I think. 
And I couldn't have done this project without all the experts that have helped me. Like I said, I started from zero. I'm still getting things wrong all the time. So all the amazing people on Twitter and, and Mike, the entomologist, and the really lovely community groups I'm working with, they're the ones that are helping me to make the project come together. And hopefully there will be lots of collage workshops for kids coming up as well. So it looks like I might have some exciting things that aren't quite booked properly yet, but there should be now COVID is over lots of kids workshops, which will be really exciting. I just got one final question for you. With all that's going on, are you taking private commissions or uh, doing any other illustration work at the moment? Yeah, I'm still working with some galleries and taking commissions, but I'm also teaching. So that's but the frustration is if, if you contact me and I'm a little bit slow, that's why it's just because I'm having such a positive response to the project and it's hard to keep up with it. But no, it's all really exciting and it's better to be busy than bored, isn't it? A- absolutely, <laughs> definitely. Thank you so much, Mary, for joining us today. It's been a real pleasure talking to you and the similarities and connections between our drive to get kids interested in the world around them is is really you know what what connects this conversation today and i am so excited about seeing your project just kicking off all around the uk it'd be really great if that happens so do support marion and thank you once again thanks rachel